Good morning. Morning. Children, Children. let's go. We should have a, you know, I mean, shouldn't we have a fun time like the kids? Right? No. I got kids going, no, no. We should have a stale time here today. So I I was thinking, as, as the kids are going, of being a grandparent. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, you know why? Because you can give them back. It is the most awesome part of being a grandparent. Like they misbehave? Here, take them home. So I think I've told you I've got 14 great-grandchildren. That doesn't make me great, but it makes them great. And I've got two more that are on the way that will be here by the end of August, I think. I'll make 16. And I was thinking as I was looking around at young families, and I can remember the day when my kids were small, and I was like, man, those grandparent people are really old, you know? <laughs> and then suddenly you're there as a, as a grandparent yourself, and you go, you know, wow. And, and so we're continuing a series called Living Like Jesus. Okay, and I, I've been trying to live like Jesus for since I was uh, since since 1977. So I was like 30 years old when I came to Christ, and um, and I've gone through different series in my life of of what that looks like and stuff. And and I'm, by the way, I'm not there yet. It's a work in progress. It's like I haven't arrived. I wish I could arrive, but I have this thing called flesh, and it gets in my way, right? And, and so the question that, I, that I'm really asking is, what are we going to leave behind? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about our death. I'm talking about what are you going to leave behind when you leave the checkout line today at Walmart, or after you leave the restaurant, what are you going to leave behind to the people who served you, or your job, or whatever it is, what are you leaving behind? I had the opportunity today to sit in a, oh, I thought you were bringing me coffee. Man, dude. Uh, I, so I, I had the opportunity to sit in on a Sunday school class this morning, and one of the girls came in, and she was leaving behind a smell of bacon. It was awesome, right? Wasn't it great? I couldn't actually smell it, but, you know, she said, don't I smell like bacon? Well, I don't know, but Maybe she did. And, and so the question that I have is that I think that, that regardless of who we are, I think we want to leave something behind sometimes other than what is in us. Because sometimes, you ever walk up to someone and say, what are you angry about? Because that's what they're leaving behind, right? Or you walk up to someone and say, what's, what's going on? You're really troubled, I can see. And, and we even talked about some of that in the Sunday school class. If you're not in that class, I just happened to, I walked in and, and I, I was going to my car and someone said, do you have, going for a donut? Donut? I didn't know there were donuts. And so I went in and, and got a donut and someone said, why don't you sit with us? I didn't know he was planning on me staying for Sunday school. And it was good. It was good. It was messy Christianity, 
is the name of what you're doing, right? And, and uh, wow, in, mess, in Christianity is messy, isn't it? I mean, if you think you are coming here to live a perfect life, get over yourself. Because it's not going to happen. So, so one of the things that we looked at was this verse from in the Message Bible. It says, so here's what I want you to God, do, God helping you. <coughs> Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. And I like the second part of that. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in. And here's part of what that would look like. And I shared this, I think, last week, that I have been around people for years and never knew they were a Christian. They hid it so well. And and so what God is saying, what Paul is saying here, is that don't be so well accustomed, adjusted to your culture that you you don't make a difference. And and you know sometimes so I'm a state police chaplain, and part of being a state police chaplain is not to be a state trooper. Now think about that. It's it's to it's to be different, and so it's not about going in there and being one of the guys or. Whatever it's it's about going in and representing Christ and hope and and it's it's uh, it's always interesting to me how sometimes people will pull me aside to talk to me about spiritual things. So the question that I asked last week and the week before is how are you doing? How are you doing? You know, I mean, when you're thinking about walking in this way, how's it working for you? And the reality is, is that I know that sometimes I'm, I'm a really poor example of a Christ follower. Because I allow my flesh, my struggles to get in, get in front of me. I talked to my son-in-law yesterday at a birthday party, and I said, you all right? He said, no, I'm really, really irritated. And he went on to explain why he was so irritated. And he said, but he said, I'm trying, I'm really trying to get it under control. Now, one of the, some of the things he was upset about, I could understand. But, but, you know, sometimes, I mean, think about Christ. Christ went to the cross, right? I mean, can you imagine Christ going, well, this is just not fair. I mean, you belong on the cross. I don't. I'm perfect. And so why aren't the rest of those people going to the cross with me? But no, Jesus, like a sheep to the slaughter, went. And sometimes life is not fair. You ever notice that? Yeah, you got a sister's. You know life is not fair. <laughs> but it's It's hard. Life is not always easy. Um, I I just had two of my sisters were 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 here um, last week, and um, and part of what we were talking about was our other brothers and sisters. There's eight of us, so there's a lot to talk about. And we were talking about how our lives have gone over. All of us um, are almost seventy or older. That puts me over. And we're talking about our lives growing up and, and different things that have happened. And, 
And the question is, how have we dealt with? Because life for me was not fair growing up, you know. It, it, it was life, but it wasn't fair life. And so, if I'm going to live like Jesus, I have to have, remember this, a goal without a plan is just a dream. Okay? So, that's sort of where we've been leaving off. And today I want to go a little bit further on into Romans and Romans chapter 12. And Paul says, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. All that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relationship to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace. Living in pure grace. What does that really mean? You ever wondered about that? What does it live to, to live in pure grace? Or what does it live to mean to live in grace? And he says, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In other words, (laughs) uh, yes, in other words, it's this. Who you are and where you are is because of God's grace. It's not yourself. It's not about, so get over yourself. In other words, I, my value and worth is, and significance is because of what God has done. It's because of what God is. And here's the what I know, that in the end of my life or during my life, the things that give me the worth and value and significance will all disappear. My job, and I already have retired, so the things that gave me significance as a pastor, as a, as a mental health clinician, whatever it was that I was doing has changed because I've retired. And you know, my children grew up, and so being the father of Terry and Karen and Cody, suddenly I'm like, they're in different parts of this country. And so my significance as being their dad has changed. The significance of being the grandparent of children changes with time. And so my significance and value and worth is always in flux. And so what Paul is saying, we need to understand. Let me go back to that slide. We need to understand it is what God has done for us. Not what we do for him. My value and significance is not as a pastor, not as a Sunday school teacher, not as a deacon or an elder or whatever the position is. Second change. My life can change in a heartbeat. <clears throat> Some of you I la- mentioned last week I had a boat for sale. It's gone. I sold it Monday. Praise the Lord. But before I had the opportunity to, to sell it, I was launching it, and I went to get up on the boat, and I fell flat on my face. And my hand went underneath some, uh, some of the apparatus on the thing, and my chest fell on some other things, and I lost a shoe in the water, and my wife was in the van watching it happen and said, oh, I wonder if he's okay. And I I noticed I was sitting here and I coughed before and my ribs hurt and my chest hurt and 
And it's all because of that fall. In other words, what I'm saying is, is life changes in a matter of a second. And suddenly what you're able to do, you are no longer able to do. Some of you that are older know that walking up the stairs becomes more difficult as you age. I have a Fitbit. And I love it because at the end of the day, I've often climbed 20 steps of stairs. And that's not the ones in the house. That's just going up the back hill behind my house. One day I hit 120. But you know what my legs felt like? And yet I watch my great-grandchildren run up the hill. They run up and they run back down and they run back up and they run back down and I can't do that. Paul says the accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God has done, not what I've done, what, not what we've done. And that's the kind of stuff that we need to be, to be focused on. So the reality is, is apart from his grace and mercy, we are what? Nothing. Nothing. Do you know that he gives you breath? Without his grace, without his workings, you don't even live. I don't even live. And again, I want to emphasize that because we have a tendency to celebrate our achievements. And I think it's good. I don't have a problem with that. But the reality of our achievements is in 10 minutes, it will be forgotten. The great things that you have done will be, a, will be a memory if you're lucky. And that's why the question is, what are you leaving behind is so important. And I've said before, and I've shared again, is that I, the goal, I believe, is, is for us to be like the Lone Ranger. In that nobody remembered his name, but they remembered they were impacted by what he had done. And so, why? Because that's just what happens. It's just what happens. And so apart from God's grace in our lives, apart from His mercy, we are nothing. How many of you have ever heard of the Ten Commandments? There you go. Do do you know... It's, it saddens me in some ways because a friend of mine was talking about the Ten Commandments in his church, the church that he pastors, and he said, we shouldn't even think about the Ten Commandments. And he got a lot of flack for that. And what is that? What, what was he meaning? Well, what, we, what he was meaning was that the Ten Commandments are for us. They're not for them. The Ten Commandments tell me relationally how I am to be with God and relationally how I am to be with other people. The Ten Commandments were given to the followers of Yahweh, the Jews, not the Gentiles. Why? Because by following the moral law that God had given his people, they were to be a fragrance that was appealing to the world around them so that the world would be drawn to their God's people. Well, for us, that's the church. And so the fragrance that we have in us needs to be appealing to the world. 
And yet, what do we do? We try to take the Ten Commandments and say, make the people out there follow them. How's that work? I mean, we see it today. There's with different things. And I can't help but come back to this and, and, and think and remember that it's about God, it's about His mercy, it's about His grace, that we have significance and value. And who does not want significance and value? Everybody does. But we don't get it from keeping laws. We keep it from a relationship and through a relationship that we have with God the Father. And so, my job is not to make everyone follow a set of rules. My job is to make and live in such a way that people see Christ in me. And so that they say, I want that. I want that. But as the Sunday school class really greatly points out, it's messy. It's messy. Do you know I have three children, and they did not live a perfect life. Now my oldest daughter thinks she has until she found out that her son got a girl pregnant, and she was like, Dad, how did this happen? I took my kids to church. I've homeschooled them. They have lived a life surrounded by the gospel. How did he do this? I said, because you're human people, that's why. I mean, it was like comical in a way, but she was so broken that she had failed. You ever feel like you failed as a mom? Yeah. Do you only think that everybody, every woman that's ever had a child has ever felt like a failure? I remember remember that same daughter, uh, or no, it was a different daughter that that her daughter came to her one day and said, Mom, I hate you. Happened to me. Has it ever happened to you? Oh, I better not ask. You've got two of them there. They'll tell you. <laughs> but I've had that happen. Dad, I hate you. Okay, go do the dishes anyway. <clears throat> I mean, but my daughter broke down and cried and, and was like mortified that her daughter hated her. Get over it. Every daughter hates her mother at one time or another, or son. It happens. They get over it. I remember my daughter telling me, I will never talk to you again. And I'm like, praise God, there is a God. (laughs) And she talked to me again. You remember the verse, and I, said, I think I've shared this before, train up a child in the way that they should go so that they were, when they are old, they shall not depart from it. What does that mean? Train them up in the way that they understand right now at three years old. And when they're six years old, train them up in that manner when they are six in a way that they will understand it. In other words, a three-year-old child, I am not teaching them Greek and Hebrew. Why? Because... I want them to understand it is about God's grace and mercy that gives them value and worth and significance, not their standing in their classroom. But we get it mixed up, don't we? You see, 
I am immeasurably valuable because of who? Christ. And my position in him. Not by anything that I've done. And yet, I get, I understand pride. I take pride in what I do. But pride can take over. And pride becomes a false god. A false value. Why? Again, because, because whatever it is I'm taking pride in can suddenly change in a heartbeat. A friend of mine who was a pastor down in Pitts, the Pittsburgh area had a stroke. And within four weeks he was gone. Did you think he planned that? Do you think he got up that morning expecting that he was going to have a stroke and, and die? A really good friend of mine that was about 15 years younger than I am, was, was out running a race and he, he was running and he had a pulmonary embolism and he was gone on the spot. It's the way life works, you know. And all of your significance and all of your value. Oh, I, I can't believe he's gone. He was such a wonderful banker. No, it probably won't be what's said. There's a saying in, 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 in that we have in, this, in doing funerals that it's not about the date of your death or the date of your, of your birth. It is how you lived in between. And that, that is what's going to remember, be remembered. Some have called it your dash. How's your dash coming? You see, again, the idea is, 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 is living like Jesus. And Jesus lived in a manner that pleased his Father. What he was concerned about was not about what pleased others around him. Remember, one of the thieves was, was, taunted him to call down the angels. What did Jesus do? <coughs> it was about his relationship with his dad, about the father. You see, I must evaluate myself by his standards and not the world's. And so part of my prayer must become, Lord, how am I doing? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how God speaks to you, but he speaks to me pretty plainly. I'd mentioned in the earlier service, I might have mentioned this before, but when I was, in 1977, I'm having a conversation with God. Now, I was brought up as a Catholic. Now, you've got to understand, if you're not a Catholic, you won't understand this, but I was brought up to think that you people were lost. Okay? Because we were the church. We were the church, and we were the chosen ones. You were misguided. And, and so I was already in, because by nature of baptism, I was a Catholic. I was therefore a Christian. I mean, if someone said, are you a Christian? Of course I'm a Christian. I was baptized. And I'm, I'm, I'm at this monastery. I'm walking the grounds, and I've said, God, I am a failure at living the life you've called me to live. Do you know what God said? I mean, he's, you would think he would say, oh, you poor boy. 
He said, no, duh. He didn't say, no kidding. He said, no, duh. I went, what? He goes, of course you're a failure. God's telling me I'm a failure. Yeah, I am, God. I know. I just told you that. I was admitting, remember we talked about this last week, I was admitting the condition of my life and I was confessing it. And God was saying, yeah, you're right, you are. And from that, he could then say, but I have a plan. And if you allow Jesus to do in and through you what you cannot do, that will be your salvation. That will be your answer. And that made so much sense to me. But you see, he had to talk to me the way that I would understand it. And that's what's the beauty about God is that he is personal. He is relationally wanting to connect with you and with every person out there in a way that you understand. Not that he changes his word, not that he changes his 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 laws. And so I must evaluate myself by his standards and not the world's. And when I do, I find that I'm lacking sometimes. By the world, I'm good, but by God, I'm... No, it's not. I... I, You know, it's ethics... I talked to a gentleman once who was a Christian, great Christian guy. And he's a businessman, and he told me that, that, that Christian ethics do not belong in business. I went, what? Are you kidding me? Oh, no, no, no. He said, no, no, no. You don't do Christian ethics in business. You'll lose money. I said, I, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Because I think that every part of your life, business or not business, is run by your worth and value in Christ. And that you'll be honest in all dealings. See, again, my worth is not in the eyes of others, but in the eyes of God. Because if I defraud you, maybe no one will know that, but God knows it. And who do I answer to at the end of the day? God. I don't answer to you. I answer to God. And that must be. See, if I want to, if I'm, if I'm interested in what I'm leaving behind, then in everything I do, Christ must be glorified, whether the person knows it or not, because it's right for me to do. Paul says, but unto each of us was the grace given according to the measure of the gift of God. We've all been given grace. And, 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 and in this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. What does that mean? That guitar players, your right hand strums wonderfully. Oh, let us glorify glorify your right hand. The rest of you, we don't care about, you know. Uh, No, it doesn't work that way. Because it is the whole body that makes the guitar work. It is the totality of the person that makes it work. 
And yet we sometimes glorify one part of the body. Oh, the pastor is such a wonderful person. No, he's not. There's, it's, a, it's about us collectively working together. My significance is not about who I am. It's about who Christ is. Our value, our worth. So how should I now then live? How should I live? What should be my stance? My stance should be as a member of one body, and that is the body of Christ. For united we are powerful. I mean, think about it this way. Your car. Oh, I've got the car. I got a Kia Soul out there. It is it is awesome. But if I take out the motor out of that thing and go, oh, my car is such a great car. It's missing a motor, but it's still wonderful. You'd go, what are you, nuts? What do you, push it? Of course you don't push it. It is valuable in its in- entirety, not in its separate pieces. And so it is with the body. So it is with us. It is what we do collectively that makes a difference. It's what the family does collectively that makes a difference. It's about the unity of the extended family that works together. It's the love and, and, and the support of each other that makes us somebody. And this somebody is the body of Christ. So how must we then live but as a body of Christ? Because this is, this is what God is. God is telling us. God didn't call us just to go to church. He is calling us to what? Be the church. Well, what's that going to look like? I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like for you today or tomorrow. But God does. In Sunday school, it was, I, I, I loved one of the conversations talked about how one of the families had some children and, and how others came around and brought them meals and, and ministered to them. What happens when we do that out there for our neighbors? Our neighbors who are going through difficulties, who are going through crises or going through illness, and we gather around and help them. We are being the body of Christ to that place. And ultimately, ultimately, we want people to see who? Jesus. Not us. So the smell that we leave behind is a, is a rich aroma of Christ himself. As we get ready to partake with communion, it is a time to remember that it was his sacrifice that brought us here. And it is his sacrifice that we are called to repeat out there. When Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, he's saying, not only do this, but live like me. Be a poured out offering for others. And I can tell you that it will not come at a convenient time. It never comes at a convenient time. It's right in the middle of something that you think is important and God says, would you go do this ministry for me? Yeah. 
That's what it means, living like Jesus. Why? Because Jesus went to the cross at a time that was not convenient for him. And that's what it means 